Christ's grace and peace be with you in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Proverbs 19, 17. It's a great memory verse, but we'll get back to that later. What I like to do right now is just dive into the law. Huh? Sound like fun? Let's go right to Deuteronomy. Let's really just like read the law and study the law. Let's put ourselves under the law, shall we? Isn't the law great? We all like to be told what to do. Ah, oh, that's why the centerpiece of this message today will be the law. You with me? Grace will be next week. We'll talk about forgiveness and God's presence, but today let's just focus on placing ourselves under the law. Not, I hope you know, that I'm having a little fun this morning. The law is important. We learn in confirmation class that the law convicts us of our sin. The law makes us aware of our need for God's grace. The law directs us and guides us. It acts as a mirror, as a reflective. It acts as a curb. It controls us so that we are citizens of goodwill toward one another, but also that we live right and godly lives. The law is necessary. We are gravitating to the law all the time because it makes things easier. I mean, we don't like to be told what to do, but there's some comfort in the law. Uh, you know, we know where we stand. That makes God angry. That makes so-and-so displeased. We know. The gospel, God's grace in Christ, is, can be kind of messy sometimes. What are we supposed to be doing? How is God reacting to us? How is God delivering his grace to us? Through the means of grace, through the word, through the sacrament. Yes, we know that. But what's the right thing to do? You go and seek advice from somebody and they sort of like tell you what you might want to hear. But what's the right thing to do? Some years ago, Sharon and I, uh, when we first got married, were the superintendents of an apartment building. I don't know what I was doing as a superintendent of an apartment building. You know? Not Mr. Fix-It but I gave it my best shot. One of the, tenants, the uh, uh, tenants of the building was a lady by the name of Mrs. Wolf. Mrs. Wolf was an Orthodox Jewish lady. And uh, she knew my background, coming from a Jewish home, receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We would talk frequently about different things. One day she called me up to her apartment, and she was, absolutely distressed. She brought me into the kitchen. Now, to keep kosher under the strict Orthodox Jewish law means you cannot mix, for example, fish and chicken and dairy products with meat products. You can't mix them even when you consume it, and you can't mix them in the same plate even if the plate is thoroughly washed. That's why you have, Orthodox people have two sets of plates. One in one cupboard, that is just for dairy. Chicken, eggs, 
fish, that kind of thing. Over here, you got your other cupboard. That's where your meats go, on those plates. They do not get mixed. She brought me into the kitchen, and she opens up the dairy cupboard, and she opens up the meat cupboard, and she goes, they're all mixed up. They're all mixed up. I got some dairy plates in their meat cupboard, and I got some meat plates in the dairy cupboard. She explains to me how that happened, and the circumstances are not that important, but they did happen. And she was advanced in years, so she got confused, and she mixed up the plates, and now she realizes the error. What am I going to do, she asked. Do I tell the rabbi? What's he going to say? In her 80-some years of life, this has never, ever happened. She didn't know what to do. I did the best I could. You know, we all make mistakes. It can be easily corrected. You can even buy new plates, right? And I'm sure when you tell the rabbi, things will be okay. You see what the law can do? The law has its benefit, but if that's all you have, it can weigh you down. It be a huge burden. A few weeks ago, I received in my email inbox, I subscribed to a particular source that's basically kind of like Ask the Rabbi from an Orthodox Jewish organization. And so a few weeks ago, I was curious. Here is the question to the rabbi. Can I join a protest on the Sabbath? Because the Sabbath is very, very special. It is a day of rest, as we read in the text this morning. Today, Orthodox Jewish people observe the Sabbath very specifically and very, very rigidly. You can't drive, for example, to temple. You can't exert any kind of energy. And that includes flipping up a light switch. It's rest. <laughs> Put your cell phones away. Don't even think of it. Don't even go there. Limit your kind of conversation. No television, no radio. You're not going to be reading the newspaper. This is a day of rest, a day unto the Lord, period. So the question comes up. And this is what prompts the question. You see, in his particular town, there are some neo-Nazis who are going to march on Saturday, the Sabbath. White nationalists, he wants to go out there and protest their march. It's on the Sabbath. Rabbi, can I do that? Is that breaking the Sabbath law if I go out and protest? Rabbi writes back, if you attend... You need to be careful not to do anything that may violate the Sabbath. 
You can't carry any signs. You can't drive there. You can't cause someone else to violate the Sabbath. And another issue, he says, bear in mind, posing for photos or speaking to video cameras can be problematic. What shall I do? Remember that conversing on the Sabbath, if that, what, if that is what gives you pleasure, may also during the protest may cause you anxiety. Even a trace of worry is forbidden. And of course, you may be prone to chanting or shouting. And that can come with critical speech making. So you need to be careful about that as well. So what's the bottom line? What shall I do? What does the law say? Can I go protest on the Sabbath? He says it's best to go talk to your local rabbi. Ah! Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? I thought the law was supposed to be very, very clear here. Either I can protest or I can't. What is it? Why do I need another opinion on the law? See how the law can work? We can somehow finagle our way around the law that maybe I can do this, but I can't do that. We obey the law we want to obey. We reject the law we want to reject. That's our humanness. What's the right answer? Jesus was really uh, confronting the law big time in our, in our gospel reading. You might understand what he was up against. Pharisees were observing the law, the Sabbath. You can't do anything. And there is the Lord in the synagogue. And they're watching him closely because there is a man with, the, with a deformity. His hands all shriveled up. Think he'll heal him? Think he'll exert some energy? It's the Sabbath after all. It's a dilemma. He's good. But he also is the Lord and you must follow the law. Stand up, he says to the man. Stretch it out. There is a deformity right there. Then he asks the people gathered, what shall I do? To heal or not to heal? It's the Sabbath. What shall I do? What's the answer? We all know the law. He puts it really and frames it clearly. Can you do good on the Sabbath? Would that displease God? Tell me, somebody. And they all remained silent, which even confounded him more. Because by their silence, they were saying no. They would rather let him be. And the Lord would not. Because the Lord comes down and he is obedient. 
and he fulfills the law. But he sees before him one who is poor, one who needs healing, and he's not going to turn a blind eye because the gospel of grace triumphs. It triumphs over the law. The Lord comes down in our midst and he offers grace. And he knows, we know the law. We know we can't keep up with it. And he restores our hearts. Restores our life. And now that brings us back to our memory from Proverbs 19. And I'm telling, I'm warning you, saints. You've got to be careful with this now. Because this also from Proverbs 19, this would go great on a bumper sticker. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Ah, I got to tell you, that's the law. But we got to be careful. Proverbs, that's just a bunch of wisdom literature. It is wise for the heart. But when we dig down into what God is saying in this small little snippet from Proverbs 19, verse 17, he makes clear what he is saying to our hearts, our minds. Whoever is generous, and really the word here is, I'm not going to say it's mistranslated because I don't want to you know, step on anybody's toes here. But generous is not really what God is saying here. He's saying whoever is graciously and abundantly giving, that kind of generous. When we think of generous, we think of what? I've got money. I'm going to be generous with my money. That's the kind of society and the the social atmosphere we live in. But whoever is filled with abundant grace and kindness, And you give that abundant kindness and grace to the poor. Ah, when you think of the poor, who do you think of? A beggar on the street, somebody who doesn't have a lot of money. The poor God is speaking of is the poor who do not yet know the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, yes, the poor in terms of not having a lot of money, but it's the poor of heart, the poor of soul those who are victims of injustice, those who don't have any social standing or bearing, those who don't have a voice, those are the poor, those are the needy. Whoever has great abundance and kindness and graciousness, not expecting anything in return, sees those who are in need, those who need to know the grace of God in Jesus Christ. When you give generously to those, you are lending to the Lord. What does that mean? The word lend here is not lend like we would say, I'm going to lend you $10, and uh, you're going to pay me back when? It's not that kind of a lend. Actually, the root word in the Hebrew that is being used here To lend means to unite or to tie in with. 
when you give graciously and kindly to those who are poor, you are uniting yourselves with the Lord. That's what's going on here. We are, as Paul says, these vessels, these jars of clay, this flesh and blood that is filled with the light of Christ and his grace. And when we go out and fill other people with that grace that God has provided for us, why, we're not just doing his work, but we're partnering partnering with him in a very, very special communal way. Stretching your hand out for someone or to someone who is poor in spirit, needs kindness. We are, in a very real way, especially according to the scripture, the presence of the Lord in their lives. We are, as Luther says, little Christs out there in a world that does not yet know his grace. And God says he will repay him, us, for his deeds. That's really, honestly, I wish I could rewrite Proverbs 19.17. Because we look at that, it's like, oh, if I give this person $10, God's going to give me a hundredfold praise him, right? It almost sounds like a prosperity kind of gospel going on here. If I give the preacher $10, well, God's going to bless me with a whole lot more. Right? What goes around comes around. It's not what's happening here. God will repay us for our deeds. God will restore us is the real translation that is going on here. God will make us whole again. We won't miss what we give, whether it's money, whether it's our time, whether it's our treasured gifts or talents, whatever it is. God will make it whole. God will restore us. That is the freeing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To go out and do good, that's not the law. We can make it the law, but then we make it about ourselves. When we go out and we represent the Lord and uniting with him, We are feeding others with the gospel of grace. They're seeing that light shine in us that Paul talks about. That came to us in our baptism. That brought us into the light of his kingdom. Is joining our hearts with the grace of Jesus Christ that lives in us. And today, God invites us to the altar to receive from him his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins and strengthening of our faith. By being fed by his means of grace, we now are more than just equipped, but we are reminded that we are united with our Lord as we go forward under his grace. May each of us be strengthened in the greatness of God's love his forgiveness that does not eat, does that, that does not perish, spoil, or fade. And may we share with those who are around us the joy of his presence. Amen.
And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ keep us ever mindful of his presence, united with him both today and forever. Amen.